Hey everyone, and welcome to The Seed. We are changing over to a new podcast show that is more reflective of where I am in life. Ironically, The Seed was planted by every guest that I had on my Homes and Hops podcast. So listen in, subscribe, and comment on my new monthly podcast, The Seed, which stems from Dandelion Discussions, all about women empowerment, entrepreneurship, and objectives that are often planted in us. Our guest stories are here to inspire, educate, and most importantly, to let you know you are not alone. Lisa Resnick here with The Seed. I have the awesome privilege of sitting across from Amy Shope. So Amy Shope, this is going to be long. Okay. So she is not only a co-owner of Lanier, and I'm probably spelling her partner or saying her, her partner's <laughs> name wrong, but that's okay because I got Shope right. Right. We'll get the Shope right. That's what counts. <laughs> exactly. So Lanier Shope Wealth Management Group, which is astounding right there, but she also is co-president of her own nonprofit, Dylan's House, which just started how long ago? Officially January of this year. However, the seed was planted many, many eons ago, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So So it was always something my husband and I wanted to do. Well, something I wanted to do. As usual, I have to convince him of things. We know how husbands can be. Oh, yes, we do. We definitely do. We we have to make sure that we, we guide them through the processes that we've already been experiencing for how long to get them up to date to where we are. Exactly. I mean, that's usually every partnership too, isn't it? It is. Yes. So you have two men in your life. I have two. I say all the time, it's like I have two husbands. Yes, it's true. (laughs) I annoy both of them on a regular basis. That's fair. Mm -hmm. It is. So when did you start Lanier Shope Wealth Management Group? So um, six years ago. And that's when I had left a career that I had at a big bank. I had been an advisor through a bank for since 1997. And then in 2016, I just decided, I mean, if I don't do this now, when am I going to do it? So just a little background. um, Amy did come to speak at one of our Dandelion Discussions events. And she told me a little bit tidbit about herself that I did not know. Although I feel like I should have known that she did not grow up wanting to be a financial advisor. I should have known that. But uh, not many little kids do. Although I would love to one day meet a person that said, you know what? I was, what was his name from Family Ties? Alex P. Keaton. Oh, right. My entire life. So, (laughs) but, but Amy actually wanted to be an educator. Yes. That was my dream. And. Just, I mean, really, from the time I can remember. Do you know what field you wanted to, like, what study you wanted to teach? Yeah, so I loved English. I had okay. a high school English teacher at South Range who was just phenomenal. She was a younger teacher. I became friends with her. I loved to write. I loved to read. So I went to Kent State and got my degree in comprehensive communications. Oh, wow. Which would have been English, journalism, and speech. I mean, it was. I graduated from there to yes. teach 7th to 12th grade. Did that's, my student teaching at Boardman. That's impressive. But I also feel like all those skills that you learned at the university can be applied in your field. 
It's, I mean, really, what I do is teaching. Yeah. I mean, I know all financial advisors are different, and they're all amazing in their own way, but we are educating clients. I'm not, you know, sitting there. They always laugh, like, you yeah. don't have a math degree? Like, no. Uh, no, they have calculators and computers for things like that. Um, it's more about communication skills, listening, and educating. So I have to ask, out of your clientele, have you seen any shifts in who you advise now? Who are part of your client, your book, if you will? Is it still very male-dominated, or do you find that it's becoming more more of a mix and females are starting to come to understand the significance of being part of the process themselves? I do think that it's a mix. So we have a lot of pre-retirees and retirees. I would say that my book that I brought over from the bank is just, I mean, some of my most favorite people, but you yeah. know, there may be um, retired couples. Mm-hmm. And then since I have went on my own over the last six years, I haven't even tried, but I have picked up a lot of female clients, whether it's through divorce or all of a sudden, um, you know, they have their own business or any sort of major life event that has led them to think, I want to deal with a woman. So how old were you when you decided to go out on your own? And did you have children at that time? Yeah. So it was just, um, I'm 52 and it was six years ago. And so, yes, my kids were, um, at the time, let's think Anderson would have been 13 and Dylan would have been 16. So yes, it was just kind of, I don't know what hit me. I I just think I was so tired of working for like a big corporate bank where I couldn't really, I was just a number. It, unfortunately, there's there are positives about working in the corporate environment, but there are those negatives of whether or not your voice can be heard. Do you have the opportunity to actually make shifts and changes within the dynamics of the corporate world that could have a positive impact on your clients? So sometimes like that does strap you so much that you do get to a point that you're like, I have to choose what I believe is going to be best for my clients. Yes. And it's hard because I have so much appreciation for the banks I worked for. I learned everything. I built up my clients. Um, The systems and processes were in place. Things that I never thought of, like they provided me with copy paper and toner and paid the utility bills. Your CRM. Yes. Like all those expenses that as a business owner that you all of a sudden have to incur, like, holy crap. I didn't realize I needed insurance, but yes, that makes sense. I need insurance. Like all those things that you don't think on a day-to-day when you're in that environment that you then have to pick up when you're solo. Yes. It's definitely been a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And I always say that I think I knew um, definitely how to be a financial advisor, but I knew nothing about being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, being an independent advisor. Now, did you bootstrap it? Like pay, invest your own dollars in or did you go for a loan or any anything like that? No. So it, when I first left the bank, I joined another group in Boardman. Okay. Um, and so I worked for a broker dealer in Iowa. I worked with a group of individuals that I just quickly realized was not going to be my end game. Okay. So it was kind of like, and it was only nine months that I was at their location. And I might have mentioned to you, and you'll love this. I mean, they wanted me to sign a lease Mm -hmm. on a building that they were at and in that they didn't 
own, and they wanted me to sign a six-year lease. And I give all the credit to my husband because he said, um, you need to bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're signing a lease, it better be Amy Shipp's name on there. I agree. So that's what I did. That's when I really kind of jumped you know, into the deep end. Isn't it amazing that people, I don't think that they realize that sometimes their actions as even if it's, and I say negative and I, I don't mean negative in, in a horrible way, but it it was, it wasn't the nicest thing for them to do. Exactly. Right. As, right. as, as a owner partner, that wasn't exactly, I would suggest to them how they should treat the other people within the company. However, if it wasn't for that, I know. They were the spark. They were. And I went to a conference on my own, which I probably would not have done. I'm a very outgoing person. I can talk to anybody. But my son, Dylan, who um, I know we'll probably talk about later that has autism, was living at home at the time, 16. And I really didn't go anywhere. I mean, obviously, I went to work. and yes. I, But I didn't leave him. So I went to this conference in Iowa. And that's where I met my current business partner, Brian. So I probably wouldn't have went to that if I wasn't knowing that it was all on me. That's That's a really good story. I I just assumed you always met him in Ohio. No, I met him at our conference. We both worked for the same broker-dealer. Okay. And I knew no one. And I actually called my husband and said there was like an awards dinner that I went to. And it was awkward because they had all... You know, a lot of them knew each other. And then afterwards, they were going across the street um, to, you know, have a couple glasses of wine, like 300 and some people. Okay. So I called just just a few of your your closest friends (laughs) in the industry. So I called my husband and I said, I think I'm just going to go to my room. Like, I really didn't get to sleep good uh, ever. And I'm going to go put my sweats on. And he's like, Amy, come on. You're at this conference. You need to meet people. You should go. So I walked across the street. It was your like, husband sounds amazing. He's he's always got my back. Yeah, I love that. He's you know we've been together since we were twenty one, so like thirty one years, and he just he the best way to say it is he always has my back. Yep. He doesn't. I don't always like what he has to say, yeah, no, but he's either. usually right. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes us a while to digest. Exactly. <laughs> so I, and somebody else to tell us. <laughs> I know. And, you know, it was funny because it was like um, a theater where they were having a cocktail hour and they put your wine in sippy cups because they didn't want you to spill it at the theater. I think they had a comedian or something for us. So I'm standing there. You know how awkward it is when you're at a party and you don't know one person? So I'm standing there. drinking out of a sippy cup? (laughs) By myself with my little (laughs) sippy cup of wine. And this guy came up to me, which was not Brian, my partner. It was another guy from Toledo. And he's like, hey. Um, I saw your picture. They had like a new advisor newsletter. Okay. Hey, I saw your picture in the newsletter and him and I started talking. And then this group of like 10 people came up and one of them was Brian Laner. He'll yes. be so happy if I say his name I, correctly. Uh, I know. No. I'm so sorry. He'll be fine. Oh, you know, I think I mispronounced it because of the retailer. Yes. Do you remember them? Yes. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but they were like, they had their headquarters over in D.C. for a period of time. Okay. So, but yes, that's probably yes. why I always mispronounce yeah. it. It happens all yeah. the time. They can't say Laner or Shope usually. So perfect. At least they got you the got show the Shope. 
So he came up. We started talking. I knew he was from Toledo a couple hours away. And we just started talking about um, kind of sharing and comparing ideas. We didn't obviously come right in on, hey, we should be 50-50 business partners. That just kind of happened. So how long did the talk, you guys start talking until you guys got to a point where you ha- were comfortable of reaching a partnership? Well, so for the first six months, okay. he's very um, phenomenal. People, people say I love you faster than that. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm an old-fashioned girl. <laughs> Country girl. I take my time. Yeah. <laughs> but we started talking about him managing some of my clients' portfolios. Okay. He's phenomenal at portfolio building, very experienced. He's a CFP. And I was blown away. So I said, will you help me with some of my clients? And, you know, these new clients, I was still in active bringing client over from the bank mode. So that's how we started. We really didn't form a 50-50 partnership until 2019. Okay. We merged our companies and we did everything. I had my own LLC. He had his own LLC. But for clients, we were um, cohesive. But in 2019, we decided to just scratch all that 50-50 partnership, and it's been no looking back since then. So now we're going to segue into Dylan's house. Yes. Now here, this is my question. Did you wait until you felt like you had a handle of this new business before you decided to take the leap into starting a nonprofit? Or were you like, Oh, well, hell, I'm in chaos anyway. <laughs> might, as well, might as well add to it. Well, if I'm being honest, the real reason that Dylan's house actually came to fruition was our daughter leaving for college. So she left for Bowling Green in August, and the, which was just a year ago. And I kept saying to my husband, what are we going to do as empty nesters? Because I am not good at sitting still. And I was really upset. I mean, it's still, it was hard because Dylan had moved out. She was moving out. My husband travels for work. And I didn't want to be in a place where all I did was work. Yeah. I didn't want to find myself at my office at eight o'clock at night. So him and I were out having a few cocktails. And I said, we should start a nonprofit. Okay. And that's literally how it started. He told me I was crazy for a while. I didn't even really know the direction that it was going to go. I just knew it would be autism related and that I would have some time on my hands to figure it out. So give a, give everyone a little bit of information regarding Dylan's house and how it came to fruition when it comes to your son, Dylan, because I feel like there's such a strong connectivity between your beliefs and how you found Dylan's place to make this happy environment for all and having the independence and everything that is necessary for him. Yes. Um, and how you used your own experiences to create something for that could be applied to not just you. You can give back and let other people know about an option for them. Yeah. So Dylan moved out when he was 17. He has autism, an OCD, and a seizure disorder. And he is... I always say autism, obviously, is such a broad spectrum. It truly is. Very challenging for anyone that is dealing with it. But Dylan has severe behaviors, and he was living at home. He was not toilet trained at 17. He's a big guy. He's 6'2", like 240. Um, He's a teddy bear, but when he gets mad, he doesn't understand his aggression. Yep. 
So especially through puberty, I mean, he oh, would man. he would flip tables and kick holes in the wall and break furniture. I mean, literal like dining room tables. Um, we were kind of locked in our house per mm-hmm. se. So he was a runner and an escape artist. <laughs> so we had the doors locked from the inside with a key. So okay. that he couldn't get out for his safety. Windows kind of nailed shut. Um, I always joke around and people look at me like it's such a small thing. But like I haven't had windows open with screens in them since like I lived at home with my parents. Yeah. Just because um, this was something that always bothered him. He would push the screens out and then he would start to then he figured out he could climb out. So anyways, he moved out when he was 17. We decided with the help of... Jimmy Sutman, who owns Purple Cat and Isle. Amazing. He's another pretty amazing person. He One of the best I've ever yeah. met. And him and Dylan's neurologist, as well as the school he went to, okay. started talking to me about, you need to think about this because it will actually benefit Dylan and your family. And I think I mentioned at the dandelion discussion, I guess maybe my aha moment was my husband came home from work one day when Dylan was like 16. And it was just, it was talk about chaos. Yes. And I mean, life is chaos with kids in general, but usually not like breaking things. And no, no. I mean, granted, teenage boys and girls probably do try to still escape from the house. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Everyone should take my method. But he just looked at me and said, I just don't think I can keep doing this. And I was like, what, what does that mean? You know, as a woman, what do you mean you can't do it? Like, we don't have any other choice. But no, it did make me stop and think like, you know, you go to work all day and you come home and then you like any parent, you go into the second job, which is parenthood. Exactly. But there was like no sleeping, there was no conversations. And our daughter, you know, Dylan didn't, he loved her, but she was not um, adverse to his aggressions. Yeah. So he moved out. So very hard thing, but ended up being an amazing thing for him. He's 22 now. And I saw how I actually had like a chance where I could sit down and watch like the six o'clock news if I wanted to, or yes. I could cook dinner, or I could Which help her with homework. better for him. Yes. Yes. And now I'm not his caregiver giving him a shower as a grown man. Yep. I am over visiting and taking him to dinner and for walks and helping with his house. So we were blessed that we were able to. He first moved into supported living in okay. Camel with like four other individuals. It was a little too far away for me long term. And he lived in the basement. It was a great transitional spot. Okay. But another Amy idea, I said, why can't we buy him a house? And we will be the landlords, and I'll Iron and String Life Enhancement will continue to run and staff the house with caregivers because Dylan will always need twenty four seven care. Yes. So that's what we did. So he lives in Cornersburg, in his own house. And the reason I named the nonprofit Dylan's House is because that's the only way we could make him understand when he was moving out the difference between mom and dad's house. And this is Dylan's house. And he talks in the third person, which is hilarious. Yeah. And every day, even yesterday I was over there, he says, I don't love Dylan's house. Yeah. And then he answers himself and he says, yes, you do, buddy. That's where you live. You love Dylan's house. So that's the name. I love the idea of 
so I'm glad you had cocktails with your husband that night and created that idea because I do like that because he's still a grown man. He might have all these other things that are going on, which are extreme, but I do there, there is, he's still a human that needs to have pride. So for me, this is an amazing gift that you were able to provide him and that you want to make sure that you're able to provide for others. Not many people would have gone above and wanted the same thing for others because you grasped it. You understood what it was to be in that family environment and you knew the changes that need to be made to make it better for everyone. And not a lot of people would have gone above just that bubble, their family. They Not many people would have done that at all. And you did. Well, thank you. I just, I think of all these families out there and I try to clarify like Dylan's house nonprofit has nothing to do with our son. He was just the inspiration. Yes. (laughs) He's good. I mean, you know, like as much as they're good until the next thing happens. But what we want to do is buy and build homes throughout the valley. And we will be doing that for other families that don't know where to turn. There aren't enough houses that maybe can't just go out and buy a Mm -hmm. second home because of whatever point they're at in their life. So we want to be where we have a fleet of homes. And I get calls every single week from parents that don't know what to do. Like they don't know where to start. They don't know where to turn. Um, You know, there are agencies in this valley that are amazing, but they can only own so many homes. Um, Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. So and I don't know all the legalities of that, but most of them, you know, if there were extra homes, then maybe they could pick up the client and provide the care. So what we're looking to do, and I think um, a lot of people have heard, but we were lucky to be donated land from the Autism Society of Mm -hmm. Mahoning Valley. And that is going to be our first project where we're going to be building I do not have a time frame. I'm working on a few things kind of behind the scenes to see if we can speed it up, but we do have the plans for the home. That alone is impressive because it wasn't that long ago that you were donated the land. I know. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, that's was pretty May. fast. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, my husband and I together, we always joked about um, working together and that we would definitely get a divorce because we're so different. <laughs> And we do really like to get things done. So this is kind of our dose of working together. And it's definitely had its moments of being on each other's nerves. But we figure um, there's no time like the present. So we still are looking. Our original plan was to buy homes like we did for Dylan. Small little Cape Cod that need just some cosmetic work. Yes. That could be move-in ready. Yes, that's manageable. Yes. We're not putting that off the table. But we don't want to give up on this land that was donated that we had no idea. So I say we do both at the same time. Oh, I agree. But um, we're working on that. We have an amazing board and we had that fundraiser in May. Um, We raised a lot of money. And then Citizens, my husband works for Citizens Wealth Management, and they kind of took Dylan's house on as one of the charities they support and employees have donated Um, And we really are in a good position right now. We need to continue moving forward so that we can break ground. So I do want to remind everybody out there that um, Amy didn't stop her other business to start this business. (laughs) I mean, still, I know it's a nonprofit, but it's still a business. 
It, you know, and I kind of overlooked that, or I guess underestimated is the better word, because it is a juggling act. Yes. It really is. So how do you handle all of this? Like even I I know you're you're an empty nester. I'm not sure if you are now because it is summertime. She's home for yeah. the summer. <laughs> but in all her glory. Yes. But <laughs> but I mean, still even with that, you know how clients can be. Mm-hmm. How do you handle running both businesses with a new era of a high level of demand from our clients that there is no shutoff for them in when they communicate to us? Like, how do you handle all that to avoid the burnout? Because especially since you're doing so much good, you're the person that we do not want to be burnt out. I would say it's funny you hit on so many things because I do think that clients, um, and I appreciate this because I'm managing their money. Yeah. And that's very, um, I always tell my clients that we're going to have an intimate relationship and they laugh. (laughs) But it is because I don't want a client to ever want to get a hold of me and they can't. Yeah. They understand that I could be in a meeting, but I don't, I have a very strict role of like responding as soon as I am able. It's not mm-hmm. even a by the end of the day. I agree. Um, and Brian. I am not a fan of the 24 hour rule or whatever, no. like 24, 48 hour rules and I will get back to you. No. A part of me is like, are they sitting on it until they were like. I know. <laughs> like just, and I think as women, like Brian and I have discussions about this all the time because. I am just a communicator. Mm-hmm. I always have my phone. And that started because of Dylan. I mean, he tells me sometimes, like, you need to unwind, put your phone away. I don't understand that sentence. Yeah. I don't put my phone away because I've always been staring at my phone waiting for, like, a call about Dylan. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of attached to my phone. And with today's technology, I can return an email or a client-approved text. yes. Instantly, if I'm not sitting with someone. So the way I kind of operate, like you asked, handling both of these is my business has to come first and my clients have to come first. And I weave in Dylan's House nonprofit. So if I have a break during the course of the day, and we all have breaks no matter what anyone says. I mean, we always have a little bit of downtime. Um, I am a huge multitasker. I'm always on the phone in my car. Okay. I make sure when I do sit down on the couch at the end of the night that I'm going through my emails and texts to see if I missed responding to someone because I don't want to leave anything, you know, hanging out there. But and then Kevin and I have started working at on Dylan's house on Saturdays together and it's really kind of sets the tone for the week. Okay. So we'll make a huge to-do list and then I start just putting it on my calendar when I have free time. So if there's 10 things I need to do, I just filter it into my calendar for the following week. And so far it's worked. So I know this about you, but I'm going to ask anyway. I'm okay. like asking a question I know the answer to, but I want the opportunity for you to say it. So do you equate like exercise, healthy eating, making sure I feel like you don't sleep, but I feel like you wouldn't sleep even if you had the opportunity to sleep. But like, do you incorporate these other modes to try to make sure that you can be the best when you're handling your workload with your clients, when you're handling everything with Dylan's house? Yes, I do take time for myself. And I used to, I I feel like the guilt and the mom guilt is one of the worst things we have. And 
I never worked out a day in my life till I was 35. I completely regret that. Me too. Yeah. See? Don't regret it. I think that's what keeps our bodies lasting longer as we age and work out. That's, well, that's my theory. Okay. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I was never an athlete. I mean, if Same any thing. of my friends in school will hear this, they'll start laughing because I tried track, different things. I just was not good. Cut from the volleyball team. <laughs> Every year I tried to try out. I would get in the car after seeing the list and I would cry to my mom and it make the team again. And she's like, well, Lisa, you cry when you're in there because of all the bruises on your arm. <laughs> I know. I was like always scared too, like yeah. that I was going to get hit in the face. Yeah. So never an athlete. Started working out at 35 years old. My mom had passed away when I was 35 and I thought I just better get my shit together, really. So yep. it is a way of life for me. It is more about the mental aspect. And I, and it's one thing I don't feel guilty about. I schedule it for the week, just like I would clients or Dylan's house. I schedule it where it's going to work. If yeah. I have an early day, I'll do it later. If I have a day that's not going to start till 10 o'clock, I'll do it early. Yeah. And I think it really helps, you know, my mind. So for me, I find getting it done early in the morning is the best. It's like the weight of the day starts to pile on, whether yes. we realize it or not. But like, if you handle it in the morning, you are able to handle the rest of the hours with a little less. Yes. However, if you wait till the evening, it's like the pile on from like the previous night hits you. And when you run, I feel like at least when I run, I feel like I have elephant legs. <laughs> That I'm barely able to move because it's just too much. And it's a lot easier. I prefer the morning. It's a lot easier to skip it if I wait. So oh, I too. find that the days I miss are the days that I signed up for like a 430 class. And then I just, you know, cancel it. I really try to not do that. Same. Um, even if I walk, you know, every single day. But I have a great, I have like really good people in my life that help as far as like the healthy eating. And I'm not, I mean, I'm 80-20. Her best friend is all about healthy eating. That Sweet Melissa's is oh. one of our favorite places to go. They have amazing salads um, in which Melissa herself, I mean, she is a chemist scientist when it comes to her dressings, everything to like the precision. I know. Um, so... I know. I'm, she, I mean, you feel she good. She definitely helps. <laughs> you feel good when you go there to eat. Right. So, and not too many carry-out places have that effect on people. She does. She does. Yeah. She does. So healthy eating is important. It really is. And just anything, like, I don't feel guilty if I go get a pedicure because I can sit there and text and email. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be. I think we live in a world that's very... Um, thinks that things have to be a certain way. So if I'm a financial advisor, I have to sit behind a desk from nine to five. And that really doesn't make any sense. No. Most of my clients, 99% of them, all they care about is that they talk to me when they want to talk to me. Just to get a feel of what's happening. I'm sure pro probably a little bit more now than pre-2020. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although... This was my financial advice to people when they when they would be upset regarding the market. And everything that was happening. But like, are you kidding? This is your opportunity to buy. Exactly. Like, I look at this as this is your window in. 
So you might see things, don't look at the other side of what's already invested. See if there's a way for you to put more money in right now when it's a low entry point. It's just the smartest advice, but human nature. And I have no schooling with this. I was a political, I, I have a political science degree for God's sake. So, so I'm not sure well, if that's no, a good thing. But you get it because I, I do feel like clients um, are dealing with their emotions mm-hmm. and their money is very personal to them. Oh, so it's, understandably. It's very emotional. And they're like, but Amy, you know, how much more is it going to go down? And I know. I always say, and I stole this from someone, like my crystal ball is the same as your crystal ball. I wish I knew. But we just have to have faith. We have to look at history and everything yep. that's happened. And you're exactly right. Like, we need to buy when it's low. Yeah. It's like a sale. Yeah. And we all get sales. And and not to quote another Michael J. Fox movie, <laughs> Back to the Future, <laughs> when they get the book yes. of all the bets, so then they know where to place their bets in the in the past. That's That's not real. No, that's not real. No, it's not. It's just like, you know, I almost feel like investing – is like anything in life. It's yep. about consistency. And it's about staying the course and really being dedicated. And when I think about it, that's the same as like I have friends that will give me a hard time and, and they're I know they're just joking, but like, oh, I feel so bad because I saw that you worked out and um, you know, and it's I do that for myself if I ever make a post. Yeah. Because it is hard to stay motivated. So again, I just it's try to accountability. Tell, it is. And um, one of the Peloton instructors that I love mm-hmm. says the most important promises you make are the promises you make to yourself. It's true. It is. It is true. So I think of that every time I think that it would be easier to stay on the couch with a cup of tea mm-hmm. than to get my butt downstairs to work out or to go to Body Temple, which is one of my favorite places. What so, do they say? 10 minutes. Even if you can just get 10 minutes in, yes. it counts. And split it up throughout the day. I've been trying to walk now that it's so nice out, like 30 minutes a day in addition to whatever else I'm doing. Walking is one of the healthiest things that you can do. Walking and swimming are your two two top healthy habits to incorporate in your life. Yeah, and you can go for a walk mm-hmm. and listen to a podcast, yep. call a client back, call your friend that you haven't been able to talk to. So again, I know it's like multitasking, but sometimes that's the way to make it through the day. No, I completely agree. Now, so we're going to close this out and thank you so much for coming. But I want you to tell me what was told to you about burnout. Is this the, when I was talking, okay, so I met a phenomenal female when I was at a conference in Florida and we were just kind of talking of the struggles of being a woman in Mm -hmm. business and she said that she uses the hotshot rule, which is um, from Cat Cole. And so basically when you're struggling with something, you stop and think of a hotshot in the same position or that you look up to or admire. And you think to yourself, what would they do in this situation? And you have 24 hours to implement it. I think that's pretty amazing. I love that tidbit advice. I definitely do. Thank now you. I, do, I need a channel in my mind, I'd be like, which person will I pick? I know, right? <laughs> That's the hard part. Well, thank you so much. And for everyone out there who would like to learn a little bit more about Dylan's House, how how should they find out? Yeah, so we have dylanshouse.org, which is our website. And we are on Facebook and Instagram, Dylan's House on Facebook. And this is Dylan's House on Instagram. I'd love it if you would check us out. And if you're looking for financial advice... <laughs> Yes. So um, same thing, lanershope.com. And I always tell everybody we'd love to have a conversation. We're very low key. Love it. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Lisa. 
Thank you everyone for listening in to The Seed. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, go to dandelion-inc.com and click Let's Connect. And please be sure to subscribe to The Seed's monthly podcast to hear more inspiring stories from other badass women that are all around us. Remember, behind every woman is a tribe of other successful women who have their back. To you all, thank you.